Well, this is a, another standalone. I've gotten off a series for a minute, don't know why, but I'm going to take what I have. Hopefully I can share this and explain it to you the way it's been given to me, and I always walk away and go, God, I forgot that part. I guess he knows better than I. He gives what's needed. If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to take you to, uh, I think let's go to, let's go to Acts first. Well, no, Tommy. Let's do Amos first. We'll do Amos first. It says, Behold, the days are coming. And it used to be when you see stuff like that in the Bible, you get a little nervous because you think judgment's on its way and God's getting ready to drop a hand on you. But it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will bring back the captives of my people, Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit. From them. Go back to 13. I want you to understand this. When the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. God is talking about there's going to come a day, such a day of great blessing that you're not going to be able to get the ground plowed fast enough before the one sowing the seed is on your heels. I'm, I, can't, I, I need that day. I need the day to where God's blessings are overtaking us. Remember, surely goodness and mercy shall tackle you, shall overtake you. I, I, I need that day in my life. I need that day. And God's promised that there's going to come a day that these things are going to overtake us. You're not going to have time to prepare. The blessings are going to keep coming and coming Amen. and coming and coming. Amen. And the quicker you get out there and start plowing the seed, man's going to be on your heels again, probably throwing seed down the back of your shirt. I need that day. I need that day. So there, there's, a, there's a promise. See, this is a, <clears throat> to me, this is a season of refreshing because now it's, I don't have to focus so much on what ground am I tilling and preparing and what am I getting ready for and what am I having to do to get there. Now my, my focus goes away from that and now my focus is I, how, how do I stay ahead of the blessing? What, what do I do with all this blessing? Where do I send this blessing? Who do I give this blessing? Who do I share this blessing to? Now go to, John, go to Acts. Repent therefore. Now this is, this is Peter. I'll give you a little backdrop real quick. This is Peter. Remember when uh, he and John went to the synagogue and there was this man that was begging for some alms and he went up to them, and Peter then told him that silver and gold have I none, but this I get to rise up and walk. And then this man took off, and he was telling everybody everything. He went and expressed his joy to everybody around. Now, all these people that have heard this and have seen this man now comes to the synagogue where they find Peter. And Peter then, the door opens for Peter to preach the gospel. And he's letting these people know that this wasn't because of me. This is, this is no power of mine. 
I didn't do any of this. This was all God. And he started talking to them about repenting. And now we get to repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Here's where I want to focus. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who we preached to you before. There was a thing that Peter threw out. I love the way he done it. He, he, he tossed out the, the direction. This is what you need to do. And, and so many times we, we've heard the word repent to be coming to the altar and asking God to forgive when in fact repent doesn't mean to apologize. Repentant basically means this. It means to recognize or acknowledge your ways are wrong, and in the same statement that God's ways are right. That's repent. It's not just asking God to forgive. He done that. When his son hit the cross, y'all went to Calvary, but he was slain before the foundations of the world. When God forgave you before he even sent you here. He already knew you was going to be jacked up. He said, I already know what you're going to do, but I'm going to send grace with you. Oh, See, when God created, he sent grace with you. That's awesome. So I don't, well, never mind. I can talk about grace all day long. But he's telling, he's telling these people, listen, this is what I want you to do. You I need you to change your mind. I need you to acknowledge that what you've been doing up to this point is wrong. And I need you to acknowledge that the way of God is right. If you repent, if you'll repent, your sins will be blotted out. And then there's going to be a day of refreshing, a season of refreshing that comes with that. This is why this is so important. If we will not change our thought process, how do we expect anything better tomorrow than what we walked in today? If, if, if tomorrow is the same mindset as today was and you hated today, guess what? You're going to hate tomorrow. I promise you. It's a guarantee. If everything is a woe is me and your whole focus in your mind is, well, nothing ever goes right and this is always that and that's always it. Guess what? It's always going to be. The Bible says to speak those things that aren't as if they were. You keep running your mouth, guess what? The sad part about that is it goes back to a heart thing. Because out of the abundance of the heart, your big mouth speaks. Well, I'm sorry. Not sorry. I was sitting and really pondering this thing about having this season of refreshing. And why it was so important that Peter first threw this thing out of repent. Because he wants us to be able to recognize this season of refreshing. See, what y'all don't understand? <laughs> yeah. Let me attack this one because I've seen this a couple times. The Great Reset. Y'all been seeing it? Been hearing it? They've been calling it the Great Reset. Talking about just resetting the whole thing. You know what you need? You, you need to stop worrying about the Great Reset and begin to focus on the Great Refreshing. Listen, it, I'm, Tommy, go now. Um, let's, let's, let's go. Man, did I give it to you. Luke. Luke, 
I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I, there's some things I want to cover. Is that what I wanted? No, it's not what I wanted. Sean, or Tommy, John, I keep calling them Sean and Tommy, no matter where they are. I think Sean just reminds me a lot of Tommy because Tommy used to be so aggravating when he was younger. And I think Sean picked up some of those habits somewhere along the way. John 2.11, Tommy. And uh, let me... uh, All right, 2.11, I'll I'll just paraphrase 2.11, but then I'm going to go, then I'll go to John 4.46. You go to John 4.46, I'm going to paraphrase John 2. This is where Jesus turned the water into wine. And I'm, I'm going somewhere with it, so don't, if I start to lose you, just tilt your head, you know, like some of them puppies do, they, What? We're talking about this great refreshing. If we aren't careful, when a great refreshing comes our way, we won't be able to participate because we will not recognize it. Jesus turns the water into wine. That was his first miracle. Remember, we don't have to go to Sunday school. So his first miracle, water into wine. He leaves. Then the Bible says in John chapter 4, Tommy, are you going? Is he there? Okay. So Jesus came again. He came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. I'll paraphrase this for lack of time, okay? There's this guy that Jesus meets. This guy has left Capernaum and has come to meet Jesus in Galilee. Jesus had come back the second time. He had come again. When I sat and looked at this, Jesus, the first time Jesus set up this miracle of turning water into wine, he didn't do that to let you know that this is the greatest thing that he can do. However, it was a great thing at that time. It was how you were going to handle the wine. I'm not not talking to the drunkards. I'm not saying that you just over and I'm just saying, how, how did you handle that miracle? Did you live in that miracle for the rest of your life? Did you address that miracle as that was the only thing that God was going to be able to do in your life? Was that the greatest thing that God could ever possibly do? Now, there were some that thought that. But not this guy. This guy leaves Capernaum, leaves his son sick. Capernaum, by the way, means comfort. Place of comfort. How many of you know that if you're going to experience God at a greater level than what you did last week, you're probably going to have to come up out of your comfort place. Now listen, I don't want to, I don't want to throw this, uh, this kind of crazy theology out there and say that God's always trying to get us out of our comfort zone because I've even said that a couple times and that's not really theologically correct because He is comfort. So he's not really trying to get you out of, com- out of your comfort zone. He's trying to get you to get out of the place where you live in comfort. He, he, he wants you to get into his comfort, but you've got to come away from yours. We don't want to go there because we're, we're too scared. We, we don't really we don't want to go into the unknown because it kind of makes us get a little edgy. Jesus comes back again. He meets this man that has decided... We're still on a season of refreshing. This man decided to go out of his place of comfort. To get into a place to where God could show himself greater yet again. 
the same place, two separate people, the same God. And he chose, I mean, ask yourself, which one's greater? Which is the greater of the two? Changing the water into wine or taking a, a, a sick boy off his deathbed? I mean, you choose. See, if it was your son, you would say drink all the wine you wanted to drink. But I know that's the greater miracle and that's where I'm going. See, if we're not willing to let, oh, there it is. We have to let go of some things in order to grab a hold to others. If we want to sit here and if we keep our life setting in the same place and not wanting to move and not recognizing new moments, we'll miss the new moments. And I'm saying this because of this. Guys, listen, we're, we're going through hell on earth right now. We're having to tend with and deal with we're, we're being forced to focus. We're being caused to recognize things that don't line up with God's word. And yet the Christians, the church as a total, the church has fallen. And the church's focus now is, oh, woe is me. What's next? I got news for you. If you want a season of refreshing, you better realize where you are now and you better start checking out what God has for plans or has in plans or in store for us next. Why do you do this to me? Okay. Moses crosses over the Red Sea on dry ground. Y'all can fact check me. He crosses over on dry ground. Joshua crosses over this Jordan. Y'all remember that, don't you? It's this Jordan. That means there's other ones to come. So if you think that your only problem is, well, never mind. Crosses over this Jordan on dry <laughs> Elijah and Elisha. They cross over on dry ground. Okay. What all did they have in common? They were going from one, from one place to another, right? In most cases, all three cases, they were leaving what they were in, which didn't seem like the promise, they were leaving that area and walking into their promise. They were going to the better place. But what did they have to cross over? Whew, this is something good for the mature people. What did they have to cross? They had to cross dry ground. See, if you're expecting, oh my God, the season of refreshing. When do you expect the season of refreshing? It's when you're going through the dry places. What, what, are you, what are you passing through right now in life? I love those balloons. So that's another thing. I just, you can't do stuff like that to me. Squirrel. But when we are getting ready to walk into a season of refreshing, we must expect, I mean, it's there. We must expect to cross over dry ground. It's there. It's coming. It may not look like you want it to look. But can I tell you when you get to the other side? Moses finally took them out of Egypt. They were finally set free. That's when you'll come out of your bondage. But so many times, we die in the desert. And that's due to a shallow faith. I ain't liking it. Because we get in that dry season, and we begin to point fingers. Man, look, do you, and, and listen, the enemy's not going to come knocking on your front door, but he's going to allow you to do things like this. Well, if they wouldn't have said. We start pointing everybody out. We start blaming all of our life on everybody else. 
my friend, you have total control on your life. Isn't it it amazing how you can watch people go through life in a dry season, and you know what's dry for them, but yet they do it with joy. You don't catch them whining to you, crying about it. They just keep walking. They tired. You can look at them and tell they tired. They look like John the Baptist. They got naps in the hair, eating locusts, but they still walking this thing out with joy because their faith is in their faith is concreted in God they know that no matter it doesn't see that it doesn't matter about anything other than God will still be God at the end of it now whether he's your God or not Different story. But when you choose to put God aside because of circumstances, you lose. So when we're looking at this season of refreshing, I want a season of refreshing. So God's saying, Well, son, you're on your way. You already the waters have already been parted. You're just walking on dry ground. Keep walking. He said, at least I didn't call you out like Peter. Make you walk on top of it. I'll give you dry ground. Walk on it. And just keep walking. Don't stop. Keep walking. There's a season of refreshing, and it's in your power to experience it. See, if, if you go through a divorce, man, what a dry season. I don't really know, but what a, what, a, what a dry season I would expect. See, some of you go, well, it was, it was a moment of relief. <laughs> but it, a dry season. And if you live in that season for the rest of your life, you'll never experience refreshing. Refreshing. It's a breath of fresh air. That's what the meaning. It's a, a breath of fresh air. That's why people take, man, just take a deep breath. It's a breath of fresh air. Can't get that up in Covington way, but you can get it out in the country. You know, you go up to Covington, take a deep breath, you probably will be choking for a minute. But Jesus takes this man, this man, he, he comes to Jesus and he tells Jesus about his son. And Jesus said, well, just go on. He's going back. He's fine. He's okay. This guy took him at his word and said, okay. And Jesus right now is saying, look, there's a time of refreshing. There's a season of, just go get it. But what do we do? Instead of us going, okay, we go, but God, I mean, it's not even... I mean, you said, and it's not, and I thought, but it's not. Everybody else said, but it's not. And we want to sit and argue with him. And he says, it's in your hands. Now, now Tommy, you can go, let, let's, let's, let's go to John now, John 5. Because I, I want to just put all this stuff together for you. I want you to get an understanding that you've got to stop setting and thinking the whole time through your Christian walk that God is the one that's got to come over and just give you everything on a silver platter. It's not that he can't, and it's not that he won't, because he says, I'll bless whoever I want to bless. I'll reign on the just and the unjust. So I'm not saying that he can't, and I'm not saying that he won't. I'm just saying, how long are you going to sit in the place John 5, after this there was, uh, oh, I don't know if I want to do the whole thing. Um, I 
I just told him to do the whole thing. But Verse 4, it talks about the angel going down and, and stirring the pool. Y'all, y'all do know that's not anywhere, anywhere in the original transcripts. There was no angel that went and stirred up any water at any pool. It's not in any original transcripts. Nowhere. The only thing that they can do, historians, they, they, they get together and they look at this stuff and, they, and they're talking about some of these, these pools that, that would have these underground, what do they call them? That, huh? No, it's a they, geyser. Give you a dollar. It was a geyser. It was a geyser. They, that's what they talked about. They said it was, a, it was a geyser that come up and it had hot water in it or warm water in it and it would come up and when that would stir that it was just like a, a superstitious thing that people would get in. Well, I mean, really think about this. Here's this man. He's been a paralytic for 38 years. Thanks, Tommy. <laughs> for 38 years. John doesn't really get into a whole lot of detailed information in this thing other than this man's age. So I caught that kind of sideways. So I went, all right, why are you explaining his age but you're not explaining everything that's wrong with him? What's happened, where he is, what, where's the details? And this is what hit me. God is wanting us to understand and know that you can sit there as long as you choose. I mean, his partners, see, there, there's, there's another downfall of us Christians. We want everybody to do everything for us. So we'll ask, see, we, got a, we, got a bad, we had a bad week. Maybe, maybe somebody says something hurt our feelings. So we tell it to everybody on the phone that we talk to, hoping that they come right on in and maybe even come over and eat with you so y'all can talk about it. And see, we want all of our friends to come and help us out. I don't want any friends like this. Because here, the only paralytic can't walk. See, these are friends. (laughs) These right here, these are friends. Oh, I know where you can go. We'll take you there and drop you off. Good luck getting in. You ain't even going to sit with the dude? Kick him in the water? Something? They take him and they drop him off and they leave. This man's been doing it for 38 years? Because they didn't leave him there overnight. I mean, they took him down. Maybe somebody brought him some lunch or something. And they take him home at night. And bring him back and actually, I guess there are good friends. If they keep bringing you down, I think they're just trying to get rid of him for the day. Y'all don't have those kind of friends. Hang with me for a while. You'll see some. Take you down, drop you off. They leave him there for 38 38 years. This man's paralyzed. Jesus walks on the scene. Jesus looks at this guy. He didn't tell him, get up and walk. He he didn't tell him, I'll heal you. He didn't say, repent. He didn't say nothing. He looked at him and said, do you want to be healed? Some of you walking around sick spiritually because you enjoy it. Some of you are walking around sick spiritually because you refuse. See... (laughs) When you become whole, when God above heals you, it requires you now. (laughs) It requires you. Now you have to. 
Look, man, Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. He was healed. The dude could have chose. He comes to this guy and says, do you want to be made whole? I mean, he's healing people. Go and sin no more. I mean, he, after the healing, your responsibility. Come on, church. See, you don't, you don't like the accountability factor. You don't like the responsibility factor. We like to be able to point it all back to God and say, well, God, that's the problem with the world. Because Christian people have gotten so caught up in blaming God for circumstances that don't line up with their expectations, now the world's confused. Because Christian people will only come to church on Monday or Thursday. God help us if there's another call for a Tuesday or a Friday. No, got plans. What if Jesus said, got plans every time you come to him? Come on, see y'all... We don't like that side of Christianity. It demands of you to be responsible and accountable. It demands. We don't want to hear that word because we don't want nobody telling us nothing. Because we're self-centered, egotistical, selfish, stiff-necked people. Even her? All of us. We all fight for that. (laughs) What if? What if? The season that you're in right now is the entryway to a season of refreshing. What if? Would you continue to walk into it? Or you would turn around and go back the other way? A preacher once was preaching on the, the boat when the boat went out and he sent the disciples to the other side. And Jesus went to pray, and then he met them in the water. They were halfway across. And I heard a preacher put it like this one time. I forget who it was. He said, look, why stop? You're at the halfway mark. You either dredge through it and get to the other side where you need to go, or you turn around and go back to where you come from, and it's the same distance. But we can get right there, I mean, at the door. We can be right there just like Peter. And instead of saying, God help, and him reach down and grab a hold to us, we go, well, I guess God ain't going to do it, and we drown. I need a season of refreshing. I'm, if you don't like walking on dry ground, don't follow me. Because I'm going to keep walking. It might get hot. My feet might hurt. I might have to put sandals on. Show people my feet. Yeah, you will wash them too. Jesus just heard you say that. Boy, that made you a little uneasy, didn't you? I know what that feels like. She said, I ain't going to wash them feet. No. Let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We may be looking for a refreshing based on what we have been desiring. Your, your season of refreshing, your season of refreshing may come in a form of finances. I'll say that because everybody can. You've been so broke for so long that we just think the season of refreshing is our finances. Man, if I can just get, if, I, if, if only I can get the raise, if only I can get the promotion, 
You're looking for a season of refreshing, and the whole time you're constantly looking at what it is that you lack. That's what you base your refreshing on. Sometimes we have to let go of what it is that we desire so that God can give us what it is we need. Can I tell you, there's sometimes that God can give you a season of refreshing and it ain't got nothing to do with anything that you're lacking and your whole world turns around? I mean, things just start to, doors just start to, okay, I'll help you. I was really wanting a job, eh, I don't know, paper mill. Why would anybody want that? Job at the paper mill. That's where I wanted my job. But instead, I got a job offer at Advance Auto. There's a couple plugs. They ought to be sending this church checks for the plugs. I got this job at Advance Auto. Stocking shelves at nighttime. Come on, just track with me for a minute. It's a season of refreshing. It doesn't look like the refreshing that you need, but listen. You're stocking shelves, and you stock shelves for a year faithfully. You don't call in sick. You don't gripe about your job. You don't complain about your job. And God says, whew, those who are faithful with a little. And the next thing you know, you're stocking shelves one night. Got the door open, music wide open, and here comes a man walking in the store. Spooked you for a minute. Come to find out, he's the owner. He's the big wheel, the big shot. He makes these rounds every once in a while, just check his stores out. It's the big guy. He said, I heard about you. We hired you last year, didn't we? He starts to recognize you. I heard that you've done this and you've done that and you've gone out of your way, you've done this. I've got video of you that before you leave after stocking shelves, you're outside picking trash up. And that's not even your job. I want, you, I want to tell you that I appreciate you. And this is what I've been looking for in my company. I want to bring along a side. See, y'all can't track with it because y'all ain't never been at the bottom. I want to bring you alongside me. I want to teach you the ways of this organization so that you too can become a partner. Ooh, a season of refreshing. Just got a raise because I kept my mouth shut. I done my job. I held with it. It's just like in ministry. Same thing in ministry. Shut your mouth and work for the kingdom. Right? I mean, there's too many people running around with flags in the hand going, pick me, pick me, pick me. And then when they do, pick you, pick you, you run. Because you was out of season. You was out of place. Outside your anointing. Now, there's all kinds of things that can come, in, come into play. But the season of refreshing isn't always going to look and appear based on how you expect it. You've got to trust that God, God says that he directs the steps, right? The steps of a righteous man, all the steps, the good and the bad. So when he does something wrong, you leave. <laughs> I got your back, David. I got your back. I've got your back. We talked about this guy in Capernaum. You know, seasons of refreshing is going to require us to move. Don't go sell your house. But it's going to require you to move. Instead of not wanting to pray for people, get up and pray for people. Not wanting to stop and give him a couple dollars because it's 20 degrees outside and he does look like he's having a rough time. Stop and give him a few dollars. I don't want to give him no money because he's going to go to the alcohol store. I heard this from another pastor. It ain't your responsibility what they do with it. Your responsibility is the obedience to... Sometimes if we would just do... I'm almost done. I, I scratched notes this morning. I got two and that's it. 
me tie it together with this. Season of refreshing. If you're wanting, Tommy, you can go to that verse. Acts 3, sorry. He looked around the computer like, what verse? If you quit fishing on your computer. See, I'll sell you out, man. Facebook, YouTube, I'll put you out there. Repent, therefore, and be converted. Repent. Your season of refreshing. It's going to come by way of you changing your thought process. Fixing, uh, it comes by way of fixing your mind. Let this mind also be in you. I preached a sermon on you must be out of your mind. Because you have to be out of your mind. In order to serve God, you're going to have to be out of your mind. You're you going to have to be thinking his thoughts all the time. Because if you don't, you're going to scratch your head and think we're serving a crazy God. Because he already knows the, begin, the end from the beginning. And we're trying to figure this thing out in the middle. We don't know. We just forgot what happened last week. And we're trying to figure out the end of the story. And he's already put the, all this thing together. going to come by way of fixing your mind. Times of refreshing may come by, come from the presence of the Lord. Your seasons of refreshing are going to require you to be in His presence. You can't you can't be in his presence with your problems. Then all you're doing is making supplications. You're just telling him what's happening, telling him what's happening, telling him what you need. That's all you're doing. As if he don't already know. But he loves to hear you. He loves to hear you cry like a baby. Or he loves it. I th- I, that's why I know God's got a sense of humor. I get the blubbering and snotting all over myself and I just see him look at me going, <laughs> can't do it on your own, can you? You're going to have to get in his presence. And see, we, we talked about that. We've done a series on it. Come up here. Man, when you, when you come up here, everything changes. Because your perspective changes. Now you see it. You're going to have to get in his presence if you're wanting a season of refreshing. You're going to have to come away from where you are. If all you're doing is coming to church on Sunday just to show that you came to church on Sunday, you're going home, and this week is going to be just like it was last week. This religious duty that we have encountered in church is... Disgusting. It's the best word I can put to it. It's disgusting. Because going to church now is a religious duty. It has nothing to do about getting in God's presence with other like-minded people. And we wonder why the Holy Spirit doesn't fall. Well, you didn't come here with the idea that the Holy Spirit was even here. You came with the idea so that you could point at somebody and laugh about this or joke about that or let the pastor see that you came so that he wouldn't call you during the week going, where were you? Why wasn't you in church? Sometimes the pastor gets tired of asking those questions, so I just turn it over to God. Let God ask you. So if God calls off with a red phone, look at your caller ID. If it says God, don't answer because he already know he already knows the answer to the question he's going to ask you. Why wasn't you in church last week? Well, you know, we just know you wanted to go shopping. Well, you know, oh, you wanted to clean the car that I just made sure. See, they hate me now. But you have to come out of where you are. The other thing is, you have to want. You've got to want it. If you don't want a season of refreshing, don't put your misery on everybody else. 
stay in your misery, live at your house, kick your feet up, just keep your mouth shut. Don't put all your problems on everybody else. It's not everybody else's problem. I tell people at work all the time, your problem does not become my emergency because you failed to follow instructions in the beginning. If you do it the way I tell you to do it, guess what? I've released you of all responsibility. If it messes up, it's on my back, not yours. But if you mess up because you failed to follow instruction, you're paying for it. I'm not. You called yourself the boss. Pay the bills, baby. Misery loves company. God can't work in that atmosphere. He says that he inhabits the praises of his people. So if you want him to live in your life and in your home and in your problem, praise him. I know it's dry ground. Praise him anyway. Keep walking. It don't feel, I know it don't feel right. Praise him and keep walking. But seasons of refreshing aren't just going to come like manna from heaven all the time. Oh, there's going to be times, you know, I, I said, this is just my mind, my mindset. I can't prove it biblically or anything. It's just thoughts that hit my head when I'm preaching. I know that there's probably times, man, that we're walking, and the next thing you know, man, out of the blue, something happened. And maybe it's because that we wasn't even focused on, we was just doing our thing. Just because you ain't, just because you can't get nothing fixed at work, don't mean you stay at home. You still go to work. If you don't, you don't get a job, right, Matthew? You don't go to work, you ain't got a job. You gotta go to work, especially when the boss goes to your church. <laughs> I seen you at church yesterday. You look fine to me. <laughs> well, I just woke up. I wasn't. <laughs> I need a season of refreshing. And now that I know how to obtain it. Things have to change with us. Can't be doom and gloom. I keep going back to this Christmas time with me and Debbie and because it, it really, that, to me, that was a season of refreshing for me as a man. Because after losing your job and you can't get work, not that I wasn't trying, I forgot how many hundreds of resumes I put out. In fields where people were calling me, wanting me to work for them while I was employed. And then when I lost my job, well, we don't have no room. What? You just called me yesterday, dude. And you get put in a position where everything that you have and everything that you own goes away. You lose it all. Even your pride. Lose it all. And nothing goes under a tree for Christmas. I was telling Bill a little while ago, I said, man, have people seen our tree sometime? We take a picture of a pretty tree. It's the same picture at the end and in the middle as it was in the beginning. It's just a pretty tree. Most of the times there ain't no present. We don't put presents under it. We just, number one, she's full. She gets whatever, whenever, all year round. She don't need no special day on Christmas. Bah humbug. <laughs> but we didn't put no, the first present under the tree. I'll never forget this year. I'll never forget this year. And it was a turning point for my kids. They didn't get a pair of socks, Eric. I mean, not open up one present from mom and dad. And they were young. You know how disheartening that was for the man? Knowing that is his responsibility to make sure the kids and the wives are taken care of. And to look at a bare tree and go to bed every night and live with yourself. 
dealing with it every night. And I watched my daughter go into her bedroom and the things that you and I would throw in the trash, she would dress up and wrap it so that she could give it to other family members. You're talking about a season of refreshing. To know that my children weren't focused on the material things of life as much as they were on the love and compassion that we tried to show. We wasn't perfect. I'm sure Sean could tell y'all some stories, but I refuse for you to say a word. And to hear my son tell his wife, well, you know, I don't regret any of it. We got our dad back. And I worked my fingers to the every day. You can ask Tommy, too. There was no days off when I worked. I used to make him go to work on his days off. <laughs> there was no day. You work, man. You got a family. You support your family. You go to work. You can't make money. You go to work. Make you mad all day, Charlie. Come find him sitting around and hanging out, coking and joking with the boys. And I always looked at him and said, is he writing you a check? Well, no, he ain't writing. And the guy was looking at him and going, I ain't writing you no check. A few choice words. I ain't writing you no check. I said, then you ought to go in there and try to sell some cars in, you think? Hate it. Yeah, then call his mama. Wah, wah, wah. Rocking, driving, wah, wah. but worked hard to make sure that my kids could open up gift after gift after gift after gift on Christmas. And that Christmas, I had to stand back and look. And I realized I wasn't the one given anyway. And for God to work that miracle then, that's why Christmas I don't, like I said, I love to eat and I love the fellowship, care less about a gift.